This is The Athletic Hockey Show. We're back, everybody. It is your Thursday edition of The Athletic Hockey Show. It's the Admitted Sean McAndrew with you for the next hour, and I'll tell you what. Let's just get right into it, Sean. I could I could set this up with some lengthy preamble. Nobody wants that. Everyone just wants to know how you're feeling uh, less than 24 hours after Toronto, Montreal, and a wild two minutes and whatever, 30 seconds at the end of that game. How is, how is Sean feeling Thursday morning? Uh, it was a fun game. It was great to have hockey back. It was great to have uh, uh, a bunch of games on the schedule. And as far as how I'm feeling about the Leafs, like, yeah, I mean, they're not going to go 82-0. I guess it's, it's a bummer. If, well, not anymore. We were expecting that. But, yeah. uh, look, it's it's game one. Obviously, some some red flags in that game. Uh, obviously, some things to work on. Um, and, and full credit to Montreal. A lot of positives to take uh, away from that game for a young team. But, I mean, as far as the Leafs go, like – we, we got to pick a lane here. Like we all agreed that the regular season didn't matter for this team. They could go 82 and 0. They could smash every record. They could win every game 10, nothing doesn't matter. They got to get in the playoffs. They got to win in the playoffs. And, uh, I, and when I say we all said that, I, I say that too. I'm, uh, I'm absolutely, uh, of, of the mind that whatever this team does, they could, they could win the president's trophy. They could set their, have their most successful season ever. doesn't matter until they get to the playoffs. But by the same token, we can't then turn around every time they lose a game and say this is a crisis. You know, clearly, if they get off to a terrible start, if it looks like a playoff spot is in jeopardy, then absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm not uh, uh, clearly the regular season matters insofar as they've got to play well enough to get into the playoffs. But beyond that, I mean, if they had won that game ten to nothing last night, anybody who came on trying to say "Wow, Leafs look fantastic" would immediately get shot down, saying. It's a regular season. Nobody cares. Well, by the same token, we can't go into panic mode over losing game one. Now, if they lose game two, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They got Washington, then they got Ottawa on well, Saturday. Got, so look, see, here is the right? thing. You can you can kind of see the, the how this could play out because they lose the game in Montreal. And look, uh, the thing with the, with the Leafs in Montreal is they are almost never good at the same time. It, it's very weird if you look back over the last 30 years, really, you find that these two teams are, are are one's good and one's bad at all times. And yet, whenever they play, it's always a good game. It's always a close game. It feels like it, it just the, the standings never matter with this team. So it wasn't a shock that they played a close game last night. It wasn't a shock that Montreal won. Now they play Washington, you know, second game, back-to-back. It's back-to-back for Washington, too. But uh, and, and Washington's a good team. If you lose that game, now you're going into Saturday night and it's Ottawa. And who knows? You know, Ottawa is another team that, that always gets up for the Leafs. And then after that, if they if they were to start 0-3, which is not impossible to, to imagine right now. Do you know who they've got for their fourth game? Arizona, the worst oh team in the league, coming into Toronto. Can you imagine what it's going to be like in Toronto if they're 0-3? And they're playing Arizona like that now becomes a must win game, right? I mean, they they have to win that game or if they start 0-4 and they've lost to Montreal, Ottawa and Arizona. That's when panic mode sets in. So, you know, look, it's it's early. We we always say with the NHL, it, it gets late early. And it, especially when you get off to a really bad start. But at the same time, don't forget, this Leaf team got off to a lousy start last year, too. And we're all talking about, oh, you know, it's, is this it for Shelton Keefe? Is this it for the team? You got to blow it up. And then they went on and had 115 points. So take a deep breath, everyone. Enjoy the game. Analyze the game. Pick it apart. That's what we have to do. It's the only game we've got to look at. But, I mean, if if you're already on the in, in panic mode over one game, it's going to be a rough season for you. I, I got to say that. You know, the thing that jumped out to me from that game of uh, between Montreal and Toronto was Buddy with the fluorescent jacket? Uh, Scarman. We call that, do we do we call that fluorescent green, fluorescent yellow, yeah, I, whatever that was? I, mm-hmm. um, uh, here's my question, okay? Because listen, the guy stood stood out like a uh, like a sore thumb, whatever. Um, do you think that 
stadium officials should be allowed to tell people to remove an article of clothing if it's that like that was super distracting to me yeah. i felt like and um, and this is because you, you can ask people to take down signs and whatever like mm-hmm. uh, i start i wonder or do you think that this guy's waiting he's like he's probably a lawyer and he's like i want just come at me ask me to take off the coat ask so me. so like, so here's the thing this guy in particular is a regular in Montreal. Yes. Uh, and and in fact, we've had a piece on The Athletic where they they got a hold of him. Marc Antoine uh, interviewed him. He, he apparently identifies as a uh, star man. And he didn't give his name, but he 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 wears this thing every every game. He knows it's annoying. He he gets it. And uh, it's, you know, they're, they're, I've seen some people have said that like, oh, you know, he wears it because his, his kids or his grandkids or whoever watch at home. And, you know, they, they <laughs> like to know where he is. Um, maybe that's it. I think he just likes the attention. He kind of gives that vibe. Uh, but this is a regular thing. And you see this in different arenas, different arenas have different, um, people that, that, that do this or stand out. I know in Anaheim, you've got the, what is it? The tennis balls, they call themselves. It was a couple and, uh, they, they, they wore something similar. Um, should the should they be able to do something? Yeah, absolutely. It's it, it is annoying and it is distracting. And it's funny because even if you go and read this this piece from a couple of years ago that Marc Antoine wrote, where he interviews this guy, and it's a positive piece. You know, it's sort of like you know, hey, meet meet this interesting guy that you probably noticed on TV. And you go into the comments, and everybody's just like, nah, man, screw this guy. Like, get him to take the coat off. We nobody yeah. nobody likes it. Um, I, yeah, absolutely. They should be able to come down and go, sir, it, like it's a jacket, right? Take the jacket off. If it's somebody wearing a t-shirt, then, uh, you know, that, that's a different thing. But I'd, I'd grab a few of those pennies from gym class and just, you know, throw one of these on, man. Cause it's, uh, it does stand out, especially these days where 90% of the fans are wearing jerseys whenever they go to games. Uh, it, it really stands out when, when one person is doing that. And, and I gotta say, I traditionally, Love nothing more than seeing a guy like that and then pointing it out to, on Twitter and ruining it for everyone else. Because it's the kind of thing, if you don't notice it, like there's people who watched that whole game last night going, what are these guys talking about? And then there's right. also people watching the game going, yeah, I saw that guy all game long and he drove me crazy. So I don't know. Starman, knock it off. Yeah. it's it, You know what? It's like the uh, when you point it out on Twitter, it's like, you know, the FedEx logo where the, people are like, you know that there's an arrow hidden inside? And yep. I'm like. I never saw it. And then now I can't unsee it. That's how I feel like when you point out the, the fluorescent buddy. And listen, if, if like his whole he's point using is it, my- He's talking about how it's like a good luck charm or something. They, yeah. They've had one of the worst home records uh, in a while. So I, I, I don't know. I One of the fun things about hockey is is picking up on those like regulars that you're like, oh, yeah, if you if you watch Leaf games, you know that one guy who sits behind the bench. If you watch this team, you know that one guy who sits over there. But – I don't know, man. Like, this doesn't feel like a very Montreal thing, right? Like, could, could you see, you could see this being a, a something somewhere else, but it's Montreal, man. It's old fashioned, and we got one dude in a bright green jacket. Okay, Just, here's a legit question. Imagine this guy trying to do this, like in the 1960s at the Forum or 50s, <laughs> when people were rolling in in suits. And yeah. <laughs> imagine now that would have taken some gall if he tried. That would have played out well. Whereas in yeah. the 80s, he would have fit in perfectly, right? Like it's, oh, yeah, if you go back and watch clips fun. in the 80s, you watch yeah. like old Oilers and Islanders clips, nobody's <clears throat> wearing jerseys. Everybody's just rocking whatever, you know, there's lots of yeah. sweaters. Uh, there's lots of lots of weird collared shirts and t-shirts and it's a whole mix. And uh, whereas today, it's like everybody, today it's like the the guys who do the graphics got lazy and uh, everyone's got the same model. It's all, everyone's wearing <laughs> the same, their same jersey, except for this one guy. Okay, so that wasn't the only thing on Wednesday night that I think was a little bit eye-catching for people. The other thing, the digital, the unveiling of the digital rink board advertising. Now, I got to tell you, so I'm down in Buffalo. I'm uh, here doing Ottawa Buffalo on Thursday night. And so I was watching TNT's coverage of, of the Bruins and the Capitals. At no point did I ever notice or see any what I thought was digital Rink board advertising. I could be – and maybe somebody can correct me and say, yeah, they had it. I, I didn't even notice it. But then I'm watching on Twitter and people sharing the clips of, like, the Oilers and Canucks game. And that looked like pure madness. Like, I, I don't think that – like, listen, this they don't have this stuff ironed out. Clearly, they don't. Yeah. Right? No. They they don't. Uh, I'm I'm with you. I, I haven't noticed it all that much. 
and and I have seen you know the the giveaway if you're wondering you know am I seeing this or not is is the ads will be like all for one like the whole end boards will be one company just one logo over and over again whereas when you, if you're getting the real you know quote unquote real ads um, they're they're much more chopped up and you see the sections of the board and all of that it it looks a little bit unnatural to me. I got used to it very quickly. Other than when it glitches out, there was that, that one moment in the in the Edmonton game where it just it, it kind of went uh, went haywire on us. Um, other than that, to me, it looks pretty good. I, I've I've seen in the past when we've we've done the fake uh, ads on the ice and players skate through it, and it it, it looks glitchy. You can tell that uh, it's something artificial. I didn't really notice that the animate like the changing of the ads. I, I didn't notice all that much. The 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 contrast between when they cut camera views and you're seeing different ads because the most of the camera views don't have the the, the virtual ads. I got to say, for me, hasn't really been an issue. Uh, I feel like I've gotten used to it very quickly. But I have seen a ton of feedback from people saying that it was jarring to them or that it did bother them. And uh, you know, I I can't tell anyone that they're wrong. Let let's kind of see. Maybe you get used to it over time. But uh, it it does seem like. A lot of people are having issues with it, and and certainly, at a bare minimum, you've got to get the technology good enough that it's not glitching out in the middle of a game and and distracting everyone. Right, and and that's my point. Like I see people complaining about ads on helmets, ads on jerseys. Really, that doesn't to me that doesn't bother me or distract me from the game. But there mm-hmm. were certainly a couple of instances where it did look like uh, you know you would lose players or you would like the referee would disappear um, yeah. because of the digital rink board ads. Right, so to me that's when it does cross a lot. Yeah. Is what it does. Yeah, Canucks fans enjoyment. will tell you the referees did definitely disappeared last night at uh, oh my at, at certain moments. But okay, yeah, I, I, I gotta <laughs> say it, it. If we're talking virtual stuff, to me, it, it doesn't bug me as much as the fake ads behind the net on the glass that some teams do on like local broadcasts. Yeah, where it's like Gus's muffler tune up, uh, and you're like, really? Yeah, Gus Gus bought uh, prime prime ad uh, spot. That blocks the view of all the fans. Interesting. Like to me, that looks way more fake uh, than this stuff does. But I get, I get that everyone's, everyone's going to have a different sensitivity to it. And if you're out there saying like, no, this stuff is really bugging me, I, I, I'm not telling you you're wrong. Um, I'm just saying it, it didn't bug me all that much. By the way, you know what did bug me? Since we talked about bright, bright green guy uh, yeah. in Montreal, the other thing about that Montreal has got to get under control is those lights on the. Uh, the, the, on the, the rink, like the little mini scoreboard that goes around yeah. the rink. If, if you've never been to Montreal, you've never seen like they, they've got a couple of those and they keep changing during the games and they're so bright that they reflect on the ice. And so you get this like they turn them red and the ice kind of looks, you know, it, it, it doesn't. It's not the ice turns red, but there's like this pinkish glow suddenly hits the ice. Um, and I tweeted about it and it was funny because I got so many responses from people going, Dude, I thought my TV was on the fritz all game long because the ice keeps going from like pure white to kind of a darker white to pink and then back. People thought their TVs were were on the fritz. And I, I'm sure Montreal fans who, who watch all the time are used to it. But, um, you know, when you don't see as many games in Montreal, like get get that sorted out, guys. Like you're uh, just just don't go with the bright red during the game or whatever. Cause there were times where there's like a goal mouth scrambled and suddenly you see this red glow and you go, is that the goal light coming on? Is that like some sort of thing that they do? Um, it was, uh, that to me was way more distracting than, uh, anything that was going on in the, uh, on the ad boards. Yeah. And by the way, you just cost us a sponsorship with Gus's muffler. Um, I sorry, was, Gus. We were, we were so close to lining that up for the pod and now, uh, now it's gone. Okay. Um, other weird things from this week. Uh, well, first of all, can we just take a moment and say uh, Connor McDavid does Connor McDavid things again? And you know, we talked about this last week with Jesse Granger that you know if you're you're laying down money for who's going to win the Rocket Richard Trophy, like yeah, maybe that would be bad to put some money on all. Connor McDavid opening night hat trick for McDavid. And it's funny because first half of that game, you're seeing oh my god, Jack Campbell's terrible. The Oilers are, are terrible defensively. And then I'll admit, I went to bed. I woke up and I see, oh yeah, five three Oilers, McDavid happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what's yeah. that's what the Oilers are going to be. Even yeah. if you know, obviously, if you're Jay Woodcroft, you're not happy with a lot of what happened in that game. You got a lot of things to work on. But that's the kind of team the Oilers are going to be. Is the team that even when they're not at their best, even if they only give you one good period, that good period might be enough. And 
I can tell you as as a Leafs fan, I've watched a team like that for the last few years, and it it hasn't translated well to when when the games get really tough down the down the stretch and in the playoffs. But it can be an awful lot of fun to watch. And and the scary thing about McDavid, especially, he gets three goals. The Oilers weren't even very good for two periods, five on five. Right. That power play is going to be deadly. Like it, it's going to be. Um, it, no team wants to take penalties, but it's going to be a thing where you know you're going in to play the Oilers, guys. No penalties tonight. No dumb penalties. We can't be taking any because they're that that power play is scary good. But five on five, uh, the Oilers looked awful. It slashed the Canucks looked great. Uh, the you know the Canucks looked like they were making a making a real statement, and then it just it fell apart for Vancouver. And it ramped up for Edmonton, and uh, that's that's what this team is. They're they're scary good, and the question is going to be how often can they be scary good, and for for how much of a game? Because scary good for sixty minutes is going to be real hard to beat. Scary good for twenty minutes, like we saw last night, is uh, is going to get you a few wins, but not enough. Yeah. Okay. McDavid was was dynamite uh, on on opening night, and look, there was a. A bunch of storylines. Something I wanted to talk to you about as soon as this happened on Tuesday night. I'm like, okay, I'm putting this on the list of things we're hitting on. And in case you missed it, we're going to play the audio right now. This is just before Tampa and New York, Tuesday night at Madison Square Garden. Have a listen. This is referee Chris Rooney uh, just before puck drop, I guess, welcoming fans to the 2022-2023 NHL season. Welcome to opening night of the 2022-23 NHL season. What's better than this? Good luck to all players. Let's have a great season. All right. Let, let's, let's talk this out here. Like, what happened here? Do, like, do you think he went rogue and, and is like, you know what? I, I'm no. going to just go ahead. He was instructed. Right? So we can agree. Absolutely. He was probably instructed to do this. What on earth was this? I would watch a whole 30 for 30 documentary <laughs> on how this moment came to be. Like, seriously, I want to I want to know who came up with the idea. I want to know who, like, what that meeting was like where somebody stood up and said, hey, guys, um, you know who should welcome us to the season? The worst public speakers in the world. NHL referees. Because, I, I, like, these guys are terrible you know, you see it all the time, right? Like you and I are both football fans. You watch the NFL on a Sunday and whenever there's there's a review or a situation, the referee gets on the mic and they explain it. And they're not, you know, it's, the explanation isn't always perfect, but it's usually, you know, it's clear and it's it's obvious that these guys have have put work into, into doing this. They got on there, they say, here's what the call on the field was, plays being challenged, here's what we're going to look at. They go and look at it, they come back and they say, okay, on further review, the guy didn't have the, the second foot wasn't down inbound. He didn't come down with control. Therefore, it's no okay. In the NHL, these guys just get up there and they're like, uh, there's a review. And they and then they sprint off yeah. and then they come back and they're like, review, okay, good goal. And you're like, what What were you even looking at? What happened? Like, explain something to us. But these guys always look like they just, you know, they, they look like the kid in your in your class who didn't want to do public speaking and got forced up there. Uh, they look like they want to swallow their own tongue rather than talk, and then the mic doesn't work half the time, and it's just a mess. <laughs> and I, I would pay $100 for footage of when they went into the referee's room and were like, guess what you're going to do tonight? <laughs> and, and, I mean, you know he, what? Did, like, yes. he did okay under the, you know, <laughs> under the circumstances. He was fine. But the whole thing was just so funny. Um, it, you know, if if you haven't seen the clip or if you have seen it, go back and watch it, watch Brayton Point as he's lined up for the face Because the reason I say the guy clearly didn't go rogue is because the players knew he was going to do it. Like, the players didn't come in for the face-off and then go like, oh, this guy's giving a speech. Like, they knew, clearly someone had told him, like, hey, I got to do a little thing. <laughs> and Brayton Point is just like, he's got this look on it, and he's like looking at the camera like it's like it's from The Office or something, where he's like, what the, how did I get myself in this situation that uh, this referee is giving this half-hearted speech? And, hey, that. What could be better than that? Yeah, I don't know. And, and they did it the second time too, right? The uh, the L.A. Vegas game also had a pregame ref speech, although he put a little less into it, and he he kind of directed it more at the players, like, "All right, boys, let's go ahead and have a great game or whatever." Which that got me excited because I was like, "Oh, is this a new thing that we're doing before every game? Like, are we going to do 
referee pregame speeches before. Like I was excited. I sat down to watch the Leafs and Habs and I'm like, come <laughs> on, baby, two languages. Let's go. Let's do no, this. That, that ceremony um, was enough. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's probably okay. it. But I, I also do find it funny that we got two mandatory referee pregame speeches and Wes McCauley didn't get to do either one of them. I know. That's all great. you're thinking so. is like, man, that would have been, that would have been something. I'll I take. can't Listen, believe we all missed out on the chance to, Listen to Wes McCauley say something in a slightly louder than usual volume, and then we all pretend that it's the greatest thing we've ever heard. Like, ah, this guy's such a character, and no, no, yeah, he, he just, just is the only louder. referee yeah. who can, yeah, who can string a full sentence together. That's the only thing going on here. But uh, yeah, maybe next time, Wes. Maybe the All Star Game. Maybe the playoffs. That'd be good before Game Seven. Wouldn't you like to hear a referee just come out and be like, "All right, boys." Game seven, what's better than this? By the way, we're not calling anything tonight. Feel free yeah, to tackle way, each you, other. This is the last time you'll see us. Yeah, uh, we will yeah. not be calling anything, but we will wave off goals for fake interference that we never call. All right, have a good game. Yeah. Out the book. yeah. Hey, speaking of pregame ceremonies and stuff, what, real quick, want to hit on this. Chicago uh, was in Denver last night. The Avs had their unveiling of the uh, Stanley Cup banner that they obviously uh, picked up last season. And before the game, they as they raised the banner, uh, Jack Johnson, who's now a member of Chicago, uh, went over and lined up with his old Avs teammates. So he's kind of arm in arm with his Avs teammates as they won the Stanley Cup. I, I, and I listen. I have no problem with that. I think it's cool. You won the cup with that team. Get get part of that moment. I just don't know that I've ever seen that before. Have you? Like where a guy, it just happens to be that he he's changed teams and they're there for the opening night banner raising and he. And he skates over and he's with his old team. Or has that happened before? And I've, I've just, I've, I, I can't remember ever seeing it happen like that where he went over to the team. I feel like it may have happened in the past where a guy happens to be on the team and maybe he's out on the bench or, you know, maybe something like that. Or or, or when they, uh, you know, he gets the ring and that kind of thing. But um, no, I, I can't say that I've ever seen a guy actually go over and, and you know, mix in with, with the other team the way that, that he did. I thought it was cool. Uh, you know, I didn't mind yeah. it at all. Then they they did like some big video for him, and like fans gave him an ovation and everything. Which at some point it got a little weird because it's like this dude played one season here. Like it wasn't like he was like a beloved longtime Avalanche uh, star who had to move on. But he was part of the team. Uh, I liked it, and and good for uh, you know good for for Colorado and good for Chicago for letting him do it because you know some teams would have been weird about it, right? Like you'd like. And and even a few years ago, we wouldn't have seen something like this because it, it would have been like, no, nah, no, nah, they're the enemy. You got to get ready for a game. You're not fraternizing with the with the enemy or whatever you want to yeah. call it. But uh, no, it's fine. And, and Chicago, we all know what's what's going on in Chicago this year. So yeah. they don't. Yeah, they're probably like, stay over there. Go ahead. Stay Take over a few there. shots yeah, on that, man. Score score a couple for them. I mean, you're you're fine. Yeah. Uh, my question, like, so I was watching that ceremony last night on TNT, and I'm thinking. Okay, I see Jack Johnson over there. And then my mind started thinking, well, where's Evan Rodriguez? Because Colorado signed him, right, to a contract. Like, so he's there, but he wasn't mm-hmm. part of the team. Like, so where are the guys that didn't win the cup last year, but who were part of the Avs this year? Like, what did they you know what? do that's, during that? I that's did, a I, good I was, question. Like, I was scouring around and I couldn't, I couldn't quite see I think the way to there, think. but I, I, you definitely like got to be on the I fringes, guess? right? Like, well, no, but you can't, or, you or can't the, stand with your on team. The end. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you do or not. You you probably do, but yeah, you better not be in the middle of it. Put it this way: like I better not right. be, like see like Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr like in between. There's Evan Rodriguez with his arms draped around both of them or, or something. <laughs> with like a tear, like, no, single that, tear going down his eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that is uh, that is a little bit weird, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That's a good question. I did I didn't see him, so. I don't right. Know. Well, maybe an Avs fan who was at the game in Denver or somebody who paid that, you let us know where, where yeah. was Evan Rodriguez or um, uh, Georgiev, right? Uh, yeah. Came over. Like, so, yeah, where were those guys during the banner raising? Help us out. All right. Time for us to do a little Granger things with our pal Jesse Granger, brought to you by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner. With the athletic, uh, hey Jesse. Earlier, we uh, we referenced the fact that Connor McDavid had a hat trick on opening night, and we were like, "Hey, look! Last week we talked about that might be a smart play if you're looking for somebody to win the, the Rocket Richard Award or you know whatever." McDavid was uh, not getting the same odds as as a Matthews or you know guys like that. Uh, 
Opening night hat trick. Did that have any? Did that move the line at all in McDavid? Yeah, he's he, well. He's only plus two fifty to win the heart, which is pretty insane um, when you think about it. Two basically two and a half to one odds to win the MVP trophy and to win the Rocket Richard. He's still. I mean, he's third behind Drysaitel and Matthews still at plus six fifty. So you can get six and a half to one odds on him. Uh, Matthews is still the heavy favorite. I. I mean, Matthews is going to have a few hat tricks this season, probably. So they're just expecting that that was one of McDavid's. But yeah, I mean, he's off to a uh, crazy start on pace for 250 goals. <laughs> I told yeah, you. It's, I told yeah. you guys this is this yeah. is your time to get in. Chip on the shoulder. Oh, yeah. In the yeah. year 2022, Sean tells us this McDavid guy, I told you to get in. We're not yeah, getting in right. on the ground floor. <laughs> I called it. I <laughs> called it. Boy, I tell you. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Hey, Jesse, we, we've got a jam-packed slate of games. we got a handful on Wednesday night. Feels like most of the league is playing on Thursday. And look, we, uh, Sean and I were talking about, look, Toronto's doing the back-to-back thing against Washington on, on Thursday. We're going to get a lot of back-to-back games, and sometimes that can, you know, uh, that can affect the lines a little bit, right? Yeah, I think it's – honestly, I think it's interesting how many of these type of games the NHL scheduled um, over these first two days of or first couple days of action i mean you look like you mentioned toronto they they have a tough 4-3 loss in montreal they go straight back home and play washington and it's funny of the one two three four five six teams playing back-to-backs um toronto's the only team that's favored in their second night of the back-to-back and they're minus hmm. 190 and that's because they're playing a team that's also playing a back-to-back um, with a little more travel, Washington, they lost uh, at home last night to Boston 5-2. to two. They didn't look all that good. Um, I, I expected Washington to look a lot better than that. Um, and now they head to Toronto tonight, and they're plus 155 against the Maple Leafs. Um, what did you guys think of Toronto and Washington last night, if, of, if you saw much of the games? Well, I'll tell you, it, it's funny because we talked a lot about Toronto, and obviously they looked a little bit flat. I, I watched Washington, and I thought – Man, I, I didn't love Darcy Kemper uh, uh, on, a, on a couple of, of those mm-hmm. goals. And I don't know. I feel like, I don't know, Sean, like I, we've talked about, and we don't want to overanalyze one game out of 82. Mm. But if you were but one all of we those got. people, it's all that, we that's got. all we have. But if you were one of those people that said, ah, I kind of see Washington missing the playoffs, then yesterday's game, I think, added some some fuel to that fire, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it feels like everybody this year looked at the East and went, Oh, it's the same eight playoff teams. And then we all went, ah, you can't have the same eight playoff teams. So who's going to miss? And then it was like, uh, Washington is probably probably the team that's going to miss. But uh, yeah, they, they didn't look great. But again, one game, you're not going to panic to it. But uh, it's, it is it is interesting on these back-to-backs because, Jesse, how much of that do you think is rest-related? You know, the, the just the idea that, you, you know, playing twice in just over 24 hours. And how much of it is the backup goalie factor? Because I will be honest with you. I had to look up who Washington's backup goalie is and who's going to be playing for them tonight against Ilya Samsonov of the Leafs, which, you know, not not exactly a, a guy with a, a fantastic record either, but he gets to uh, he gets to uh, go up against his former team. Is it is, is it a backup goalie thing or is it a combination? Um, I think it's a combination, but it's definitely more of the backup goalie than it is the rest. Um, I think you, you, if like for anyone out there that, that bets on baseball, you know that it's basically all predicated on pitching. I mean, baseball betting and, and betting lines are literally determined by the starting pitchers. Um, it's not quite that that strong in, in the NHL. Um, I don't think switching from one goalie to another inf- influences the line quite as much as a pitcher, but it does influence the line, and I think it definitely influences it more than um, the rest. And, and like you mentioned, Toronto, um, they've, they've got a... A, a, a backup that to me is is right on par with their starter, whereas Washington there's a, there's a pretty considerable drop off. It's funny you mentioned that, that, is, that is the most muted compliment I've yeah. ever heard <laughs> of a team. I don't even know if that was a compliment. I no, think that, that that might you just might have libeled the guy. But oh to, boy. I mean, I mean, Toronto did uh, after all those brilliant goalie moves. I mean, they only allowed 23 shots and gave up four goals and lost. I was shocked. Um, I was really shocked yeah. by that, All but, right. uh, it's, it's funny that Ian mentioned Washington. See, I was the one saying, I think Boston might be the team that falls off. And it was the opposite mm-hmm. last night. I was like, wow, this team, especially because if I'm projecting Boston to miss the playoffs, they've got to lose a bunch early because that's what, that's kind of the thought, yep. right? They're going to lose all mm-hmm. these games while they've got the injuries and that they looked good. Um, it was one game, uh, like Ian, I agree with Ian that maybe they weren't 
three goals better than Washington. It was just Darcy Kemper let a couple in that he shouldn't have. But uh, yeah, that was a great start for a team that I was kind of anticipating a slow start for. Um, and then you've got, man, the, the NHL, it was funny, I tweeted yesterday, the NHL didn't do the Chicago Blackhawks any favors um, with scheduling. And then everybody replies, what do you mean that they is doing them favors? They're trying to get Connor Bedard. Um, yeah. but, but the players on the ice do not want to lose. <laughs> no matter what their organization is doing to them, the players yeah, on the exactly. ice are not getting any favors. I mean, they go to Colorado, they have to play at altitude to against the defending champs on their banner unveiling night. Um, they get the crap kicked out of them like pretty much everyone expected. And then they have to fly straight to Vegas and they get the Golden Knights home opener um, in one of, if not the loudest buildings in the NHL on the very next night. And um, the lines certainly show it. I mean, Chicago, they after a loss to Colorado, they're plus 280 tonight. The Golden Knights, who most people didn't have that high of expectations going into the season, are minus 350. Um, tonight against the Chicago Blackhawks uh, at home. It's, like I said, not any favors for the Blackhawks. What a brutal way to open up the season. Hey, listen, uh, before we let you go, you mentioned Vegas there. Uh, that was a highly entertaining opening night on um, on on uh, on Tuesday. Tuesday. And, uh, you know, they, they come back. And I, I said this to you just before we started rolling. And I know it was a late game-winning goal. But, man, nobody celebrates goals like Mark Stone. Like, it, it, it always looks like he just scored a playoff clincher, series clincher, whatever. But that was a highly entertaining opening night game for the uh, the Golden Knights on Tuesday. Yeah, it was. The Kings and Knights, I mean, they, they're they expected to kind of battle for, I, th I think most people think Calgary and Edmonton are the top two in the Pacific. And I think the Kings, Knights, and Vancouver are sort of the the next three. They're going to be battling all year, man. That was a fun game. They were, it was, they were trading punches. There were a ton of lead changes. Every time one team scored, it seemed like the other team had the answer for it. Um, it was a really, really entertaining game. The Kings are fun to watch. Um, the, the Golden Knights obviously played really well in that game. I, I was surprised at how how good the Golden Knights looked in that game. I was kind of thinking that it was going to be some learning curve with Bruce Cassidy's new system, but they played really well. And and probably the most important thing, you mentioned Mark Stone scoring that goal. Talking to him after, he felt great in the locker room. Um, he Last year, the back injury actually happened at in LA at crypto.com arena. Um, he said, he, I was like, did you think about it? He goes, well, I was sitting in the same stall this time. So yeah, um, I did think about it a little <laughs> bit and he gets the game winner. Feels great. That's obviously to me, the biggest X factor for the golden Knights this season. So overall a uh, really good opening night for them. And now that now they're uh, open in their home arena tonight. Here yeah. Jesse, just real quick before we let you go, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you as a goalie, uh, your thoughts on Jack Campbell absolutely trucking a dude last yeah. night. Yeah, you know what? So in that case, <laughs> he was just kind of defending himself. Like he didn't initiate it. Mm -hmm. um, the the player ran into him and he trucked him. I'm okay with it, but I will say that uh, even though I'm usually like the guy that defends the goalies, no matter what, I am very very against goalies hitting guys. Um, the reason is because I think goalies should not be hit, and I think that guys should stay to should avoid contact with them as much as possible. And if you're going to start lowering your shoulder, that's going to end. And guys are going to start initiating the contact. Um, I, I'll never forget, I was in a men's league game. And I went over to the corner and I got the puck. And I tried to rim it back around behind my own net. But I kind of flailed on it. So the puck just barely went, I don't know, 10 feet. The guy's coming up behind me. He tried to go between me and the boards. And it was <laughs> honestly stupid. But I just like a, a reaction. I hip checked him. And I mm -hmm. flattened the dude, like absolutely obliterated him because he wasn't expecting the hit. Like it's different when you go yeah. to the boards with another forward, you're, you, you're bracing for it, you're balanced, you're ready for it. I knocked the wind out of this guy. I've never felt worse in my whole life. I felt so bad. And like that really sticks with me. Like these guys are not expecting to get hit by a goalie. Um, so it's dangerous. And I think if you do it, if it becomes a thing, the goalies are going to start getting hit, and you don't want a bunch of injured goalies. So to me, I am against goalies hitting guys. We need to track this guy down for a future podcast, the guy that you hit. We need to <laughs> track yeah. that guy down. <laughs> I'd be in for that. I'd be in to hear from his uh, vantage point how that, uh, how that unfolded. Hey, listen, yeah. Jesse, this was great. Thanks for uh, dropping by, as always, on uh, on the Thursday pod. Uh, enjoy the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights uh, season opener. It should be spectacular. I know you had a, a piece about kind of what to expect for the fans this year. So it uh, should be, as always, high entertainment uh, at T-Mobile. At and, uh, and we'll get you again next week. Definitely. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Jesse. 
All right. As always, time for us to move along, open up the mailbag. We always get lots of uh, emails and voicemails and questions uh, thrown our way. You can hit us up with an email at the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 845-445-8459. Let's start with this one from Pierre, who says, with the waiver wire about to get super active here at the start of the season, some good players will inevitably be put on waivers. I'm a Habs fan. Absolute best waiver pickup we ever had, um, and I think in the modern era, is Paul Byron. Calgary gave up on him, and he then became a very important part of Montreal's bottom six, scoring an iconic goal in the playoffs against Toronto a couple of years ago, chipped in with big games all through that run in the final. My question is, who is the best waiver wire pickup of all time? That's from Pierre. So Pierre saying, look, and Paul Byron was good uh, for Montreal. A free player, really effective penalty killer, a lot of speed, that, that huge goal against Toronto a couple of years ago. Um, but he said, like, okay, there's got to be somebody better than him. You know who comes to mind for me right away is Ilya Brizgalov, right? Yep. Did, did, yeah, that did the, was... Uh, was... It was the Coyotes picked him up off the Ducks? Yep. Yeah. He went from Anaheim uh, to the Coyotes. And yeah. And that, that was a situation where the, uh, the Ducks... You know, they had cap problems. They had to, you know, a couple too many goalies, and they knew he was going to get claimed. It was sort of a chance for him to get get a start somewhere else. But yeah, he he was quite good because he had he had certain shown some ability in uh, in Anaheim, but it was really in with the Coyotes that he really established himself and uh, um, ended up cashing in pretty well on that. Uh, I'll, g- I'll give you a few others. Yeah. Um, and, and one of them that, that is a bit of a weird one is Chris Kunitz. Um, speaking of the Ducks, he went on waivers from the Ducks to the Thrashers and then back to the Ducks in the span of a couple weeks before he established himself as a uh, a top-tier player. And then obviously he goes to Pittsburgh and, and kind of Wait, finds a new up. level. Wait, hold up. Chris Kunitz played Crosby. for the Atlanta? I don't even know if he played for them. He was Atlanta property for a very brief, uh, a very brief amount of time. Uh, I'm going to check no and see if he even got a game. Yeah, he did. He played two games for Atlanta. Jeez. No points, minus three, back on waivers. Minus three so, was a team best over a two-game yeah, span. Exactly, yeah. He's, he should have yeah. been named captain. Um, yeah. So that you know that was a bit of a weird. But as far as guys who like became uh, another goalie, Chris Osgood, uh, going to the Islanders, uh, they also picked up Evgeny Nabokov. Remember when he tried to come back from... From Europe, oh, and, uh, yeah. and the Islanders snagged him. That was a, yeah, from Detroit. It was Detroit that was supposed to get him. I think so. Yeah, uh, Martin right? Jelena uh, to Vancouver was was one in the nineties. Uh, it worked out pretty well. Steve Sullivan uh, got picked up by uh, Chicago, right? I believe yeah, he, yeah, was yeah. A, he was a real good player coming over from the Leafs. Um, Michael Grabner uh, famously picked up by the Islanders and then had like thirty goals as a as a rookie. Um, and and went on to become a pretty good player. And another one, an underrated one, but uh, Francois Beauchemin was put on waivers by the Canadians and, and the picked up by the Blue up, Jackets. Right? And uh, the no, Blue it was the Blue Jackets. Yeah. And then they ended yeah, up sending right. him to the to the Ducks uh, in in Fedorov trade, I, I believe. But uh, yeah, that was um, uh, that that was a good one as well. And the other thing that I'll say about this, because I, I guarantee there's people yelling names at at their uh, at their device right now. There's a lot of guys out there that fans remember as being a waiver pickup that weren't uh guys that either you know got picked in free agency or you know maybe they got traded for cheap or or something like that but like chris draper was not a waiver wire pickup and you know a bunch of other guys and the one that comes up the most often in fact if you google like best waiver pickup in the nhl the one name that keeps coming up is martin saint louis uh from his days when he first broken in the nhl with calgary and then he ends up making his way to Tampa Bay, where, of course, he blossoms as a superstar and a, a Hall of Famer and all of that. Not a waiver pickup. Now, he was waived by Calgary at one point, but nobody took him. And it was then as uh, he, he went to Tampa. I, I, I can't remember if it was free agency or if it was, uh, uh, if it was through a trade. But he was not picked up on waiver. So if you're yelling Martin St. Louis at me, uh, that's, that's one of those weird memories where a lot of people remember him being a waiver guy. Uh, but he was not. He was he was a free undrafted free agent for the Flames. Waived anyone in the league could have have him. Nobody took him, and then ended up signing that summer. I'm looking at it now as a free agent with Tampa Bay. Maybe it's because I'm in Buffalo. But uh, same thing happened with Jason Pominville, where he was placed on waivers. Anybody could have had him, and he ended up sticking with the Sabers, and you know ended up becoming a pretty productive player. 
uh, yeah, in the I NHL. Like, so uh, people, Danny right? Breer may have been another one. You know, we're talking about a lot of the these smaller skill guys in an era where that yeah. was tough. I, I feel like he may have been. Uh, in fact, all of them are the same. Steve Sullivan, Marty St. Yeah. Louis, uh, yeah, Danny Breer. Yeah, he he may have been another one that uh, was uh, uh, you know he had been a, a Coyotes guy and he and and some Sabres fans I've seen remember that as a waiver pickup, but it wasn't. They got him very cheap in a trade because uh, Phoenix gave up on him, but it wasn't uh, not waivers. Uh, Jesse has a question here again via email. It says uh, actually this question is more for Ian with his reporting on the Hockey Canada story. One thing I don't understand. Why has there not been more criticism pointed at Bob Nicholson? He was in charge when a lot of the practices were put in place that are now the subject of this scandal. He now runs the Edmonton Oilers, and it's reasonable to assume that whatever practices Nicholson did at Hockey Canada would follow him to the Oilers, no? When the Kyle Beach story was unfolding, we all had questions for Joel Quenville, Mark Bergevin, Kevin Shovel day off, despite the fact they had moved on to new organizations. Now, with this Hockey Canada story, it seems like Nicholson is getting off scot-free, even though he is still involved with hockey. Quenville lost his job over it. Should we not be asking the same question to Nicholson? How can we trust the Oilers are not doing nefarious things as well? That comes in from Jesse. And listen, it's a very, very good point. And I would imagine, look, I'm not, I haven't been to Edmonton recently. I'm not in, you know, into that media sphere. I'd like to think the Edmonton media at some point has made the request to speak to Bob Nicholson and the answer has come back that Bob's not doing media. Like at the very least, I'd like to think that that mechanism has, you know, uh, you know, been activated where people said, Hey, we want to speak to Bob. and, And the Oilers are like, no, he's not speaking. Now, what I do think is interesting is that at some point here, Sean, I think, and it might be this month, like I, I, I don't know. And in fact, I'll, I'll, I think we're going to get some answers here in the next couple of days, but there's, <laughs> there's going to be, believe it or not, another round of parliamentary hearings. And our understanding is that Bob Nicholson will be the person on the hot seat. So mm-hmm. it's a great question from Jesse, but I think that answer is going to, like that, those, the criticism around Bob Nicholson, it's all going to come to light within the next couple of weeks because I suspect yeah. when there's a next round of, of uh, hearings, Bob Nicholson will be the one sitting in the hot seat. Yeah, and, and, you know, just, and, and just to be clear on the timelines, he, Bob Nicholson was president and CEO of Hockey Canada for 16 years from 98 to 2014. So he was an absolutely fundamental figure, shaped the culture, what have you. He, he absolutely should be part of this discussion. Um, but he was long gone from there by 2018 when the, the that that World Junior incident uh, that spurred all of this took place. So let's let's you know just just be clear that he doesn't he doesn't have to answer for that, but for things that came before it, including the 2003 situation, then yes, uh, he absolutely um, it needs to answer some questions, and it sounds like he will be given that opportunity. Yeah, and uh, look, one thing we've seen with that story is it feels like you know, give it, give it forty-eight hours or so, and there'll be a new, uh, you know, a new piece of information <laughs> and, coming out of it. And look, if, if there's anything we've learned from from last week's disaster of a hearing, if you're Bob Nicholson, go in and just answer the questions. Don't 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 get defensive. Don't don't think that you can outsmart or push back or you know dance your way around this, um, because that just makes it far worse. And, you know, we saw that with all the resignations this week, that that became inevitable as soon as that hearing last week finished, because it was just such a mess, such a disaster that you knew that, that nobody was, was going to come out of it. So um, just, you know, these are fair questions, give them fair answers. And then, and the consequences land where they do. Okay. Let's, uh, let's wrap this up on a Thursday. Like we always do little, little trip down memory lane. It's this week in hockey history. Got a couple of dates here that, uh, uh, I, I want to tackle. The first one is October the 11th, 1987. October 11th, 1987. Doug Jarvis sees his consecutive game streak end at 964 games. You know what? He was banged up, uh, had an injury, so he had to sit out a game. So he plays 964 in a row. He's like, ah, coach, I can't go. You know, I'm feeling, I'm not feeling 100%. Okay, no problem. He sits out of the game uh, 35 years ago this week. He never plays again. He gets sent to the AHL right after he's he's back from the injury and never appears in another NHL game again. Fascinating. Yeah. Like that's wild. I- 964 in a row, you get hurt and then you never play again. Yeah, I mean, very clear that you know at that point he was 
he was in the lineup because of the streak, um, but uh, still pretty, uh, uh, pretty fascinating that that that's it and and said that. And he was he wasn't an old guy at that point. I mean, he was thirty two. Uh, not especially in the eighties. That that wasn't uh, old by by hockey terms at all. But uh, uh, I you know when when the end comes, it comes. I guess and uh, that was that was kind of a weird one. That's given Phil uh, Kessel nightmares right now. Oh, exactly, exactly. You you break the record. Oh, kind of. You you felt it a little bit with Keith Yandel, right? Where it was like, man, this guy mm-hmm. is just playing because of the streak. Yep. It is. You know? It is interesting um, that uh, you know at least Doug Jarvis. You know, and I go this. This is this maybe sounds like a strange thing to say, but like at least he, he had the streak end by injury. Not that you ever want to see someone get injured, but when you look at some of the other, like Keith Yandel just just getting scratched out of the lineup. Um, remember Andrew, Andrew Cogliano getting suspended? Uh, yeah, you know, one the, game the, suspension. Weird ways, yeah, weird ways to to end it. Steve Larmer had his uh, who who looked we all thought was going to beat Doug Jarvis has it end due to a contract uh, holdout. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it, it, a lot of guys. You you would think Iron Man streaks end by injury, but they they typically don't in the league. Did for Doug Jarvis. Well, did the, the Sharks not manipulate it with Patrick Marlowe where he had a streak and then like he he hadn't signed a contract, but they waited that to was sign it. him. Was that the one? Is that yeah. not what happened? So it was, and and a lot of people were like, "Wait a second, this because with Steve Larmer, the Sharks it was a had played, right? Yeah, yeah. Steve okay. Larmer, it was a holdout, and and so therefore, but how's that any you know, different? He was, because he was a member of the Blackhawks, he, he had a contract, contract, and he didn't, and he didn't play. Well, he did have a contract. It was a holdout. For oh, Steve he did. Larmer. He did have a contract. So okay. he wanted I more know. money. This was Never. back in the day where you could you could hold. You just say, "I want more money. I want to renegotiate." Yeah. Uh, you don't see that anymore because you can't renegotiate a contract. Whereas with Marlowe, he had no contract. And so even though the Sharks played and he wasn't in the lineup, it didn't the league ruled that it didn't end his streak because he he wasn't property of an NHL <laughs> team at that point. And then they had to sign it at the rate because if they had signed him to the contract an hour before game time and he hadn't played, then that would have ended the streak. So they had to sort of time it properly. Imagine going into Bill Wirtz's office and asking for a raise. Yeah, that yeah. was it. He he just, I mean, he he wanted a raise slash he wanted out is what he wanted, and and he got it. And uh, yeah. I I I think to everything I've ever seen, I, I haven't seen him express regret that he lost the lost the streak to that. But there there certainly were people who felt like the the streak should continue. But back then, the NHL, uh, if they were. They, it, the NHL pretty much made the rule on the fly, and uh, they they weren't going to side with a player in a dispute with his his ownership. Okay, one other one I want to sneak in here for this week in hockey history. Uh, this week in 1992, October the 13th, 1992, the Calgary Flames took on the Minnesota North Stars in a regular season game that was played in Saskatoon. The NHL uh, kicking off a neutral site schedule that for two years in a row Every team would play two neutral site games. So, in fact, two extra games were tacked onto the regular season schedule. Every team would play 84 games. My question to you is this. Would you like to see the return of neutral site games in the NHL? I mean, we're... Uh, or we just run I, out of markets? I, I feel like, well, yeah, we they, they kind of did run out of markets a little bit. And uh, they. I, I don't think it was ever as much a success as they had hoped it would be. But uh, it was uh, it was neat to see. We we see it still kind of. I mean, obviously you have the Europe games, uh, and then you have the uh, um, in the preseason. We do we do have those. So that is that is a little bit uh, a little bit interesting. But uh, it's uh, you know it was neat back in the day. But then also, yeah, I, I don't feel like it it really worked as a, as a, as a success. And and the other thing that happened back then was remember they added two games to the schedule. It was 84 games for a little while. Um, but, uh, that was, uh, the, that way they didn't miss out on home dates and that sort of thing. If you went to some place and, and didn't, didn't sell out, but it was, you know, it was still pretty cool and big, big week in Saskatoon. Because you know, what, what date did you say? October 13th, October 13th, in Saskatoon. You don't happen the day before that in Saskatoon. What, oh, okay. You do, you don't. Why you definitely on, don't. Well, why on earth would you know what? Because I heard Saskatoon 1992. The yeah. fall. I know something that happened in the fall of 92 in Saskatoon, and so I looked it up as we were talking, and I realized it happened the day before. 
Talk about it. Okay. This is the biggest 48 hours. Bret Hart beats Ric Flair to win his okay. first World Wrestling Federation Championship. Saskatoon. We all remember Bret Hart or uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan just losing his mind. Saskatoon. So maybe we don't. Your greatest maybe it's 24 just, it may hours only in Saskatoon be history. There's it, it. I mean, it would have to be other than other Shut than the, that brief period where they thought they were get, getting the St. Louis Blues. Uh, yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, pretty good uh, consolation prize. By uh, the way, what are they doing man. making the Flames play the North Surge? You got to put the Blues game in Saskatoon. Like, what oh, are we doing, just guys? For full troll. Yeah. Yeah. Full, fully. For, 100%. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, by the way, gr- random neutral game fact. People may not remember this. Pavel Bure actually scored his 50th goal of the season. I believe the first time he got 50 goals. He scored that goal in Hamilton. Oh, wow. His 50th, his 50th goal was in Cops Coliseum. Cops Coliseum. Cops Coliseum yeah. hosted more great hockey goals <laughs> than any without other ever actually having yeah. an NHL team uh, than any other. You know, I'm just looking up like the venues of NHL neutral site games. That's going to be an article sometime ranking all of the neutral site. Yeah, number weird twelve, Milwaukee. Games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Milwaukee would come in higher than that. Come on, man. <laughs> Milwaukee <laughs> represent. Oh man. All right, we'll leave it there. You and I will do this again next Thursday when perhaps we'll be dissecting the 0-4 Leafs. Oh, boy. They, they will be dissected if that's uh, <laughs> that's what's going on. Jeez. All right, we'll leave it there. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, like I said, we'll get you again on Thursday. As always, email us your questions, theathletichockeyshow at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 845-445-8459. Not a subscriber with us. You can join us at theathletic.com slash hockey show, an annual subscription for a dollar a month. For the first six months, we also have something really cool called the Athletic Audio Plus. On Apple Podcasts, we've got some bonus content there from the entire network of podcasts. We'll start with a 30-day free trial, and then it's just 99 cents a month after that.